Well, this is it. When I started meeting Mondays about five weeks ago, I didn't know where I would be going with this. And I, in a sense, still don't know where I'm going. But I do understand that now it has become a kind of a learning platform. See, the biggest thing that I enjoyed about all of this was the fact that I got to see so many different pieces of life through so many different perspectives. A fact that I'm definitely taking into the next realm of this universe and what I see next for this show comes from that standpoint. So in this final interview, I'm sitting down with Liam Mulvey, a voice actor who contributed heavily to the world of Final Fantasy XV back in 2015 when that was a thing on Square Enix's radar. Inside this conversation, we talk about his history and his life and all of that, but I do understand that this is also probably one of the most vulnerable interviews. And as with Georgia, I like that in both of these cases, was able to pull out and understand more about these people because they were able to calm down, relax, and show me a little bit into themselves. So I thank everyone who has been here and who has contributed to this growth of this show, and I will gladly see you guys quite soon with the next set of shows which I'm putting some final touches on but I will be announcing as I do the final episode next week but for now this is the last meeting Mondays of this season so why don't we sit down crack open a coffee and enjoy a very good conversation with a very good friend. Without further ado, here is Liam Mulvey's interview. Thank you for listening. All right, everything is recording. Uh, so, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, all good. All good. Same old, same old. Um, you know, just ticking along um bits of work here and there and just getting by really yeah i think that's everybody at this point I it mean, is indeed I, I i had to uh find a way to supplement the fact that i don't have a job which is why i'm now sitting here talking to you to you trying to make <laughs> something out of myself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like what better way to start your uh, voiceover career than doing a whole bunch of podcasts because you now have unlimited time to work on your portfolio uh, <laughs> eh, not like I got anything else better today. <laughs> Let's start shooting off random emails. <laughs> Hell yeah! Always, and it's always good because eh, you get to you get to, you get to sit down with some interesting characters, like <laughs> yourself in this case. Um, and yeah, over the weekend, uh. I'll be I'll be a hundred percent transparent. I finally saw King's Grace. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> had it noticed? I bought the movie day one, and it sat on my shelf for five years. 
If you waited, what is it? Is it a month and the 4K version comes out? Like I know. Oh, so it's like it was one of those things. Like I was like, I will get to it at one point. And then when I met you at KuboCon, I'm like, this guy's really interesting. I should really go and see that one thing that he's listed on the internet for doing. <laughs> now I'll figure it out later. <laughs> then I was like, I don't want to be an asshole and talk to him without watching it. So now I have to stay it up until 3 a.m. And, and squeeze this in. The pokes of doing this job. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Did you at least enjoy it? I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to be, because we're going to stick to straight honesty. I did enjoy your character. But the problem that I had was that I do agree with everybody else, which is like a two-hour cutscene that really should have just been inside the fucking game. If you took chapter 13 and just brought in Noctis and everybody into the movie, it would have been fucking fine. But because it ends with you just sitting there, that's literally the last scene. Luna is driving down the fucking road to go and join a refugee camp, and you're sitting there. And I'm like, is that really how you're going to fucking end it? Just, 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 it just ends. It just ends. There's no actual ending. Yeah. It just fucking well, ends. <laughs> obviously, they bring me back in com- in Comrades, which mm-hmm. uh, does explain the rest of my story. But yeah, I just, I, I'm just left sitting on the rubble <laughs> looking over the city. Exactly. And if you had a buggy experience with Comrades, like most of us have... <laughs> Nobody went to sit through the entire dang thing and actually figure out what the heck happened to you. But even then, I read what happened to you because I was trying to be prepared for this interview. I read what happened to you, and I'm like, even inside of Conrad, it's not like you got a fair shake. Yeah, they brought you back, but it's like, at that point, just why? Why didn't you just make a DLC with the King's Glaive? And, and a heck of a lot better than trying to shove this. Square Enix's ambition sometimes just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad everything walks out for you, but on the same note, when you actually read through your part of the story, it's like, it still seems kind of disjointed. So you ended up inside on an island inside of the comrades to fix Noctis's ship, well, because his father's dead, to what you're going to, like, did you guys actually think this through? Just a tad. Uh, because you got, you ended so perfectly. I'm like, Okay, fine. I'll take a five-minute animatic of you going back to your home village and, 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 and fighting to the death. That's not what we got. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I did go back. To be fair, he goes go back to his village mm-hmm. for a bit, mm-hmm. and then he starts rounding up all the remaining guards uh, and glaive, etc., and being, being they become the last bastion of humanity for a bit. So. Yes. That for 10 true. years, and then Noctis comes back. And, and that's, everybody that's... dies. Basically, everybody... I mean, well, Noctis and Lunafoya have to die because you can't just have a living king. <laughs> oh, well. So, yes, I enjoyed your part of the movie, and I actually really did. And when we come to these questions, I really did uh, take several notes saying the amount of work this man put in for the ending to be that crap, just why? <laughs> because I would have at least been fine as if you actually took Luna Playa outside of the city and then you guys had an amicable separation. But you guys did this entire fight to get out of it. 
insomnia only to for you to and then she it. leaves me exactly well, i think yeah I, I think it was i think that was because i wasn't in the game yeah that's true so to tie them all together they were like either he has to reappear midway through which they did because they released comrades well they did through. they released comrades but um yeah i i wasn't like i wasn't part of the game at the time Bobble, but that wouldn't have changed because the secret ending of the movie is the car breaking down so you could have still had that even with you just leaving insomnia even if it is at the gate we we separate fine but now it's just like you're just sitting there on a stump the entire city's destroyed you can't really do anything and then you show up in combat wait what <laughs> oh i was waiting for nicks <laughs> yes but we know what happened to him. He died valiantly. Yeah, but I didn't. That was the point. <laughs> Libra just doesn't know what happened to him I at know, that point. I know. You don't know what happened to him, but that's why I'm like, even if it was inside of Comrades, in which you said, oh yeah, I went back into the rubble of the destroyed city and found my best friend torn to stone. Okay, then that would have at least explained something. But no, just, you showed up in Comrades. <laughs> well, uh, so, in Comrades, if you, there, there's a whole load of, like, letters and things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and if you read through, if you unlock all those and read through those, it does give more backstory about what happens between the end I, of Kingsglaive. I, I, and... I read the wiki and article because I'm like, I'm not going to try and struggle through it. I, I have to talk to you in th- eight hours. So I read the wiki. I still feel as if you could have done just a tad bit more for as epic as you went out. I'm going to go out with no magic and... My leg is still broken. I'm still going to be a complete nutter badass. And then, <laughs> nah, not really. <laughs> I will forever state that the writing of that game has its highs and its lows. Ooh, it does. Uh, and I enjoy, I enjoy everything 15. I'm just like, this comrades, after seeing what I just fucking saw in Kingsglaive. <laughs> Oh, well. And it also doesn't really help because you don't have Noctis, so you don't even have your power. So it's like... <sighs> Although we do have some power. We do have some power, is... but it's like, it, it's not it's not, yeah. from, it's not the King's Grave. It's not why we saw you to begin with, either. Oh, um, it is what it is. Uh, but I'm just passionate about, about, about Final Fantasy, and I looked at the movie... <laughs> And I'm like, you ended so epically. The entire last 40 minutes, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's going in. And then to also think that you had to mocap it, do all that extra shit, and then it's just like, I was like, fine, at least they're going to get out of the city. No, we're not. Nope. Nope. Oh, uh, there's your kitty cat. Got a visitor. Yes, we do. <laughs> As always. Gotta move. Gotta move. Move the uh, cat out of the way. So you can go sit on the PlayStation. So, yes, I did enjoy, out of everyone, I actually enjoyed you the most. Mainly Thank because you. because with the voice actor changes and even some of the character changes if you between the game and the actual freaking movie, it's like, well, some of these characters just don't even make any dang sense. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I'm, I, I, I know for a lot of it they wanted to keep the characters separate. So that's why... Um, Ravis and um, Luna, Luna, and a number of characters weren't the same. Yeah, 
But then they did make Regis the same, which was a weird decision. I'm not sure why. I, I don't know the thinking and behind that. And of course, Arden why. was straight the same, is the same no matter which way you look at and it. And Arden was the same. So, so it's like the best characters were the ones they actually had continuation between the movie, the video game, and the, and the DLC. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Telling a story. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I'm not sure why some characters got pulled in and some didn't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the thinking behind it. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what, why that happened. But I, I'm not sure either. I will say if you take the movie like I did, like three years after you completed Final Fantasy, four years <laughs> after you completed Final Fantasy 15, and completely separate, the fucking amazing movie. If you do not have any connection to Final Fantasy 15 whatsoever, I will give it a damn good movie. But if you know what happens in Final Fantasy 15, it's like, that makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. And I'm like, Luna, you're the fucking Oracle. You can summon Leviathan at any point. You can summon Leviathan at any point. Nope. 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 <laughs> Oh, well, it is what it is. I am going to go back and say it again. You did phenomenal work, especially considering, well, you were fucked from the dump. <laughs> and you had to walk through it because if 15 minutes in, your leg is gone. It never yeah. comes back. <laughs> yeah. But we can get into all of that. Let's, let, 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 let's, uh... Let's um let's let let let's let's jump into this. Uh with all the preamble, how did you get your start as an actor? Uh wow, well kind of basically I was around about uh seventeen, eighteen. I'd acted all through school and uh, done various bits and pieces since I was sort of a young kid. I'd always light plays my parents took me to the theater when i was really young uh i think i was only about four or five the first time they took me to to see live theater um i was very lucky i at a very young age i grew up in london um so access to theater and things like that is obviously there's, lo there's loads around so i used to go and see some live theater sort of yeah from a young young age um did various bits of acting throughout school, junior school and senior school. Um, was going to do medicine. Uh, was doing my A-levels. Um, did my lower six, so that's that's the second to last year. Uh, sat what they call our AS levels, which I think they may have got away, done away with now. But basically it was, you, you sat your exams at 16 the GCSEs and then you went into AS levels and then if you did the full A level that then turned your AS level into an A level mm. um I think they've actually done away with AS levels now but I sat my AS levels uh and they weren't as good as they should have been shall we say um mainly because I was dicking around and doing loads of theatre um and so at that point I sort of took a step back and parents said to me look what what is it you actually want to do do you want to do medicine or do you want to do something what what actually would make you happy and i said um i want to be an actor uh and 
surprisingly, um, they said, fine, do it. Wow, that's um, very supportive. That is not, that so, is not normal yeah. to, to send it. Send. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You do that on the side. Now get back yeah. to school. <laughs> yeah, oh. no. Um, so my, my stepdad is a, is a doctor. My dad's a lawyer. My mum was a lawyer. So basically um, they're like... Oh, they're so all you professionals. Want, you, 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 want to, you, want, you want to break the tech? <laughs> no, I'm I'm off to become a uh, impoverished, penniless actor. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, to quote my uh, my stepdad's mum, my grandmother on that side, uh, you're not disappointed. You threw away all that money on his education. Um, so that was it. It's kind of it, my last year at school. I did some more plays. Uh, we did Les Mis. We did uh, King Lear, um, and I had main roles in both of those um we did all sorts of bits and pieces and then um my head of drama said to me look don't go to drama school just yet because you you've not like this is quite a late decision a late thing so don't apply now because the last thing you want to do is go off and go to drama school straight from school and then get a year or two into it and go shit this isn't what i want to do this new not at all so he said take a year out take a couple of years out try and get some work see what you can do um so i did off i went uh i got a a job in a a touring pantomime um going around uh, junior schools all around the country all around the uk so we did uh from the sort of south coast all the way up into scotland and and everything did that for four months um and then was like came out of that and he, he said to me look my drama teacher said to me look do you still want to be an actor after that and i said yeah yeah i do i do and he went good because that's that's the hardest you'll ever have to work <laughs> those jobs are horrible it's the hardest you'll ever have to do so if you still want to do it after that then it is the right decision um then it was applying for drama school i, I actually then went to university um because i thought well i should probably do something else as well so i went and did computer science and studied as a as a programmer uh and still work to this day as a programmer Mm. um Mm. uh did loads of theater while i was still at uni um finished uni and was applying for drama school again and then um then yeah that was it drama school and then out into the big wide world trying to make your way really Mm. I know that is very, very interesting. So, what was some of the, what was some of your favorite moments in the beginning of your career? What kept you going, so to speak? It's it's a difficult one because, um, especially at the start, you're doing, you're often working full-time jobs and then rehearsing things in the evening, and then putting shows on and uh, on what's called profit share. Um, which basically means you take a, a cut of any profit that the show makes, which is generally zero. So you generally earn nothing. Um, my most successful profit share, I think I earn about five or six hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that show we took to the Edinburgh Festival and then came back and had a three week run in London uh, in a big off West End theatre in London. Um, and I still only made about 600 pounds. Um, I got quite lucky in a way. I, uh, From drama school, I auditioned for a part in the Scottish play. Uh, and we, I met 
um, a couple of people from that show who've become very, very good friends of mine. Um, one girl in particular whose company it was, uh, she's now, um, she's now a theater director. Uh, she, she was an actor when I first met her, but now is a director, um, is directed for the national theater and all this sort of thing. Um, and then through her, I've met lots of other people who now are sort of very, very close friends of mine now. And it, it kind of just that I, I, I lived, uh, so when I left drama school, I, uh, I moved in with uh, a couple of friends from drama school. We had a place for uh, about four or five years together. Um, and so we were all kind of going through the same thing of trying to get some work and doing little bits and pieces and just kind of plugging away and, and, and getting the odd thing here and there. Um, so I just kept doing theatre and was doing lots of little theatre and short films and um, bits and pieces like that, really. Um, and... Uh, yeah, did some amazing stuff. So the, the the one I said about going to Edinburgh, um, we did a production of Titus Andronicus set in the 1980s. Uh, so all skinheads um, wearing Doc Martens, jeans, the red braces, all that, um, full of scar music and everything. And that, that was an amazing show. We took it to Edinburgh. And because we were so we had such an iconic look. We, we were kind of celebrities. Um, <laughs> we'd have people stopping us in the street to say, Oh, they saw the show and they loved it. And, um, I remember at one point I, I was flying, I was handing a flyer to someone to come and see the show to advertise it. And other people from the general public who didn't, I'd, I'd never met them before had seen the show were stopping and saying, you've got to go and see that show. It's brilliant. Um, so we had this kind of, we had this kind of rock star experience up in Edinburgh. Um, and then came back and about two months later, put it on again, uh, in a 150 seater theater in, in East London. Um, and we were featured in, uh, the evening standard, which is one of the London newspapers had a review in there so yeah it was that that was one of the best one of the best pieces um and uh yeah i think it was the the following year that i got cast in in kingslave um so uh yeah it kind of everything kind of was just ramping up um towards that really and that 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 now well i mean you bought it up so since you bought it up let's let's jump straight into it what was the experience like how how did you get connected uh how um, what happened man tell us so about, the, tell us about kingsway the it, it all started my agent i i was just working a sort of you know ordinary nine to five job uh, and my agent phoned me at work and said, um, look, there's a animated film interested. Don't know anything about it. They've just contacted me, whether you're available, whether you'd be interested. And I was like, yeah, cool. Uh, what, what are we talking? Are we, is it, is it a feature? Is it a short? I, I assumed it was a short and she's like, no, no, I think it's a feature, um, motion capture and, and voiceover and stuff. Don't really know much. Um, so that was the first step. And, then it went quiet for a couple of weeks and then she rang me a couple of weeks later and said, yeah, yes, yeah, so they've been back in touch. They're still interested. Um, yeah. There may be some paperwork to come through. So, well, okay, cool. 
then some paperwork started to come through. And at this point, I still didn't know what the project was. I didn't know who it was, knew nothing about it. Um, all I knew was a, a project name, which was a complete fake, obviously. Um, and that was it. It was an animated film with motion capture and some voiceover, and, and that was it. And then I started getting paperwork, and the first bit of paperwork said Square Enix on it. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I, okay, I think so I know is, them. I think I this know is something. Them. This is something. <laughs> I think um, I and my housemate at the time was, was a friend from drama school. And obviously I got this thing and I, I basically, it was the, it was a non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of took the view that I hadn't signed anything yet. So me telling him that it was Square Enix is all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew it was Square Enix at that point. We we're like, oh, what could it be? What could it be? Could it be Tomb Raider? Could it be uh, Deus Ex? Uh-huh. Could it be, you know, any of these, any of the sort of Western exactly. uh, Especially, Western properties, especially really. considering all of them are inside of your own backyard, Crystal Dynamics is right there. So <laughs> yeah, so we were going. Well, it's probably one of these ones. It's probably one of these, one of these ones. That'd be really cool. Like mm-hmm. just being a, a small character in in a Tomb Raider exactly. thing or whatever. It would be amazing. Um, and then I get the next one was the contract. Well, it wasn't the contract. It was a it was an artist's contribution agreement mm-hmm. was what it was called. Um, and basically, it just said uh, it was kind of the terms. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I had an audition, but it was like, if you get the part, mm-hmm. are you willing to do some filming and for us to use your look and for us to do this and yeah. this and this and this? Um, so looked over it, got I actually got a lawyer to look over it as well. I was working for a law school at the time and just said, can you have a look at this? <laughs> uh, and they went, yeah, it looks fine to me. Yeah, there's nothing unusual here. You're happy. We're like, okay, cool, lovely. Um, Sign it off, send it away. Off it goes. Here, nothing again. Um, It's probably early mid-December. Agent phones me again and says, right, so um, they like you. They're really keen. Uh, This is great. Um, there's potentially an audition. We're not really sure, uh, but there's there's basically the casting director was casting two different things. One was an advert, and one was one was the film. Mm. And so I got called in for an audition, and I was sort of going, "Well, is it is it the advert you put me up for? Or is it the film?" Um, so we still didn't really know at this point, and it was all a bit a little bit confusing. But it was it was the project, and they were like, "So I think on the 21st or 22nd of December." Um, I came back into, I'd, I'd gone out of London for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I was going back to my, I was going to my mum's via my dad's. So I was spending a couple of days with my dad's, then going up to my mum's for, for Christmas day and the rest. I'd already left London to go to my dad's at this point. So I get a call going, Oh, we need you back in, uh, on this day. I was like, okay, fine. So I got the train back into London. Um, and I remember it was freezing cold and it was snowing in London, which is just bizarre, never really happens, but it was, I remember it was snowing. Um, went along to this audition and uh, I think I was one of the last people in. They were only doing a half day at this point because they'd already seen quite a lot of people by this point, it, it turned out. But I was one of the last people to be seen around about lunchtime. And so I went in and there were two guys in the room and they said to me, uh, one of them said, 
right, what do you know about the project? And I said, uh, well, I know it's Final Fantasy. That's about it. And he went, good, that's all you need to know. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, so it'll be like that, is it? So I've got these two these, these two guys um, who I later find out, they introduced themselves as Martin and Larry. Uh, Larry, it turned out, was Larry Sparks, um, who was, was one of the one of the head honchos in the in Square Enix uh, Europe uh, and the UK. Um, if I'd realised who that was at the time, I probably would have been a bit more nervous. But at the time, he just seemed to, he was just this nice, smiley, friendly guy called Larry. Um, and then there was there was Martin, who was evil, um, and he was just straight up bad cop, evil. Larry was good cop, and um, did the audition. Uh, still hadn't had any sort of script or sides or anything like that to work on. So they just said, right, um, come to us with, with uh, some improv or a little piece you want to do. Um, we want, we're looking for, for three, three kind of uh, high stake emotions. Um, this is what we need from you. Come in. So I did. Um, I did a, a piece from a, a small theater play I'd done. Um, just a monologue. Uh, and then I did the uh, speech from Pacific Rim, the we are cancelling the apocalypse speech, mm. um, which I stand to this day, I, I stand by it, that Idris Elba got me into King's Lane. Um, so, <laughs> so I had that audition. Um, it went well, I think. And off I went. Three weeks later, I've still not heard anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm not getting this job because... <laughs> I'd have heard something by now, you know, it's, it's the, it's the end of the first week of January now. Um, it's, it's three, four weeks since I auditioned. I'm not getting it. It's fine. Um, was auditioning for something else and, uh, was phoning my agent. Um, basically I, I phone her up after every audition just to say, yeah, it went fine. It was good. They got me to do this. It, yeah, fine. Um, so I phoned her up the usual yeah it was fine and then just said at the end oh by the way um have you heard anything about that and she was like no we should have done by now i'll chase it up um and so she phones me back and she's like so a couple of things one um you're still in the running for that job we think two they've just sent a picture through of what they want the character to look like and i'm pretty sure it's you <laughs> <laughs> and they found a picture of me uh, with with my skinhead from the Titus Andronicus <laughs> nice. and sent it over as a kind of sample piece. Now, I think at this point they knew that it was going to be me and they just sort of wanted to send that over as a this is this is the kind of feeling we're getting from it. This is, But at the time it was like, so they've just sent you a picture of me. <laughs> to say that they're interested in having me for the job. Okay, this is confusing. <laughs> then we get another phone call. Uh, I get my agent phones back in and goes, I've just spoken to the casting director and she seems to think you've got the job and haven't you already signed the contract? Um, I was like, I haven't signed anything. What the... Turns out that I had signed the contract because that was that bit of paper which said Final Fantasy on it. Ah. Um, but we hadn't been told it was a contract at, at all. So um, it was all kind of very up in the air. And at this point, I still didn't know who I was playing, what I was playing, how big a part I was playing. I knew nothing. Um, and so that the kind of the process all started from there and then went into the, the scanning. So we did facial and body scanning. 
Um, and even at that stage, I knew nothing about what I was doing. I I had no script. I had uh, no idea what the project was beyond its Final Fantasy. Um, I knew nothing at all. And I turn up at this scanning place in Sheffield and uh, weirdly, Adrian was there um, because they wanted to redo a couple of, uh, of the scans they'd got and do some other ones of him. So he was there. We chatted a bit. Neither of us had any idea what was going on. Um, and I'm saying to the guys, like, do we okay? Do we know anything at this point? Do we do we know anything? Uh, and the guys in the studio there were like, well, you're clearly being used for a main character because we're doing a full body, and we're only doing that for the main named characters. So you're clearly a major character. Um, but I'm talking to the guy Martin, who was in my audition, was there that day. Uh, he was much nicer this time. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying to him, look, do you know what's happening? I'm, I'm, are we doing the mocap, or is it just the facial scanning, or, or what's happening? And he's going, I, to be honest, I don't, I, I don't know at this point. Um, I've, I'm only working with what I've, I've been told, so I don't know. So I still didn't know what was going on. Um, The next thing was, oh, they'd like you to come in for uh, a test shoot day, which was, and they were like, they were at pains to say, look, we're not testing you out at this point. This is to see, we want to test out the technology mm-hmm. and see how the technology works and see whether we can, uh, whether it can work by sending stuff directly from the UK to Japan without having to bring all the team over. So, I got sent five or six pages of script, was told, you're playing this character uh, called uh, Regis. Um, Here's your scenes. Off you go, learn them, turn up on this day at the studio. Uh, So I turn up on the day and they say to me, look, uh, you may be playing the part that you you think you're playing or you you may be playing another one. It's just to test some stuff out. and it was uh, me, Adrian, Andrea, and Greg. Um, Greg was uh, Luce, Andrea was Crow. And so it's the four of us doing the, uh, the Regis Glauca face-off scenes. So we did the, the elevator ride beforehand, and then the barrier going up and the fight between Regis and, and Glauca. We spent a day doing that. Um, and then off I went again, still having no idea who I was playing, what I was doing, anything. Um, so, and yeah, it was probably, I think it was a, another month or so after that, we finally got, this is the character you're playing, here's the first bit of the script. Turn up on this day at this time and uh, we'll have a meeting with everyone and go from there. So, yeah, the whole process was bonkers. Um it was completely bonkers um but it was a lot of fun but yeah just completely bonkers uh it, it seems it, it it seems like it and of course we could probably spend another two hours on everything from <laughs> that to then them changing because obviously the bonus feature said no we ended up in uh was it I don't know, new york or la and i'm just like we can't do it we can't do it live and i'm like huh so uh, just from that little snippet of behind scenes, like, 
Yeah, I can see. I can see what you. I can see that those were six months of hell. Um, but uh, in 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 uh, reference to time, um, as I said, we 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 got to do a part two. But let's let's just let's just. Uh, I think it's a good time to move on. Then, um, how about we end Kingsglaive with this? What was your favorite scene from the movie? And what went into bringing <sighs> it to life? There's there's a couple of very cool scenes. So the first one scene that always sticks out is the, is the first scene we ever shot, which was the cafe. Um, so it's when they're all sat around the table. That was literally the first bit of filming we did. Mm. We turned up on day one, and that was where we started. Okay. Um, so we shot. We jumped straight into that. Um, I think my favourite scene is the the bit after Crows died, and Glo- and uh, Droughtus brings the box of her effects to Libertus and Nix. Um, oh yeah. And you get that whole sequence, and then he's up and he's off and he goes. Yeah. And he, he basically goes, <laughs> fuck, fuck you. This. Yep, fuck this. This is done. I'm done yep. with this. Yep. yep. Ripped off the schedule. Fuck the king. Said, fuck fuck this. everything. I'm, We're done. Yeah. This is ro- something's wrong here. Yeah. Um, and it was a really good scene. It was a really good, really good scene. And working opposite Neil was great. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about it was we filmed it. We, we filmed it in sections, um, so because we needed different uh, different props and different staging to uh, make it work. Yeah, so obviously the bits where we're sat on the edge, mm-hmm. they had to build like a, 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 fake, we had a platform fake built up. Platforms, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the walk away, which obviously we need a long space of floor, so they got that. And then there's another bit at the end where he goes up the steps and out and mm-hmm. chucks the things away. Um, we started, because of what I filmed before, we started with me going up those steps and chucking the me walking out mm-hmm. basically then came back to the walk before and then shot the the sitting on the edge mm-hmm. and then the conversation okay and then at the end of that i was like oh can we can we go back and do that bit again because i want to do the first bit now again now we've... um so that was that was interesting it was a weird one because you're filming you're kind of filming it backwards mm-hmm. and the, the the really weird thing with this project is generally when you're filming you film you'll film scene three and then fil- scene 37 and then yeah. f- 21 and then 96 yep. and you'll, yeah you'll jump around whereas with this project we actually kind of almost filmed chronologically oh, okay. so the whole thing was filmed basically in order okay they split the script up into i think it was six parts so there mm-hmm. were three kind of three acts and then each act was split into two and uh we were getting the script as we were filming the bits and mm-hmm. we started with act one part one oh, okay. and then worked Moved our on. way through um so in some ways we had, it was quite nice because we actually got to follow the character's journey through in a way that you don't normally do with filming yeah uh, but i just love that scene i think it's such a powerful scene oh, and i think it really sets out kind of the the dynamic between the characters and the emotion it 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 it, it was uh, i mean of course you kind of knew something was going to happen because of the very subtle voiceover that happened when she pulled out of insomnia but 
Yeah, I mean, it it goes to show the power of doing, taking it at that step further. Because even though you only saw Quo for, I think she was on the screen the least out of everyone, and who was yeah. mainly shown, she was there for like ten minutes of actual screen time. Um, and that obviously is nothing in a two-hour movie. Hey, um, <laughs> so but. With that, you saw the voice acting, you saw the passion, and it was like, when when, when when we saw the hand, I was like, oh, and then when Libra said, fuck you, doctor, I'm going in there, and I don't care what you fucking say, hey, 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 uh, and then you just saw everything, like, okay, yeah, this, this, this shit's way too fucked up, because why is she dead? That was the only thing that you spent the next 30 minutes on. And I'm mm. like, I actually feel this. No, because, I, as I stated, I was just watching the movie. I wasn't really connecting. But then when I'm like, okay, whereas everybody else, I don't know why it just felt different. Mainly because we all knew a lot of this stuff, especially as I stated, from playing the game, doesn't really affect the actual game. Because it's like they already had the game done. And then the movie was like, we got to recoup our money somehow. <laughs> Which is fine. You can do that. But because of that, I, 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 I literally enjoyed. It didn't, it didn't feel like anything until that happened. Until I saw you basically saying, oh, fuck no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, which is why I was also very vindicated in the end when you're the only <laughs> one who actually survived everything. <laughs> I'm like, thank God at least he survived. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I can understand why the quote scene was so powerful because you guys staged it so perfectly. And the mocap and everything was so on point that normally when you only see a character for five minutes, when they die... Especially off screen. They died. She died off screen. And, mm. and it's just like, eh, okay, moving on. <laughs> but no, I actually felt something. And, and I, it hands down had to it, go in. Lots of people yeah. feel like that. A lot of people feel that Crow was hard done by in that mm-hmm. film. Um, that she didn't get the storyline that she perhaps deserved as a character. No. Um, so, so she obviously she met that character as you say she's in she's in the fall opening which is about 15 minutes but you only see her twice and she passes out then she's in the ball scene obviously everybody's the the ball scene scene. there's the group uh, scene uh there's the all the guys lining up and there's her leaving yeah when she gets that's pretty much it yep and oh, then then there's the scene before just before she dies. Yeah. Um, when she's, she's in five scenes. Mo- yeah, yeah. When she's sitting on a motorcycle, which isn't yeah. really a scene. So it's like in five scenes, 15, 20 minutes at the top. Uh, out of yeah. an hour and fifty-five minute movie, twenty minutes is nothing when it comes to screen time. I'm and it's just like she's dead. It's, it's that's it. it. And I'm like, so how are they going to sell it? And they didn't. You did. <laughs> Personally, I would have to say, if you didn't overact that scene, I would not have actually connected because I'm like, I saw four times that I ought to talk twice. Because the first time she was summoning 
Meteor. And the third time, she was pissed off because you were pissed off at what the <laughs> fuck was going on during the ball scene. So she talked legitimately two fucking times and actually spoke her mind. I would not have connected with anything <laughs> at all. It, it was a nice, it was an interesting one to do because yeah. it was quite, in some ways, it was quite a theatrical piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's all it's all very high stakes, mm-hmm. uh, and it it is quite um, that there was something there was a sort of slightly classic classical sort of uh, Greek tragedy feel to it, yeah. especially when we were filming it. There was there was that feeling to it, and so we were allowed to be quite quite theatrical with mm-hmm. it um and to be fair it was written in a way it like the it was written as a sort of epic um an epic tale rather than um uh two and a half hour sort of... preview to a 60 hour video game <laughs> well so the whole the whole idea of it to be fair the whole the whole idea behind it was that someone who wants to partake in all of the 15 mm-hmm. lore yeah. can do and they could watch brotherhood and they mm-hmm. could watch kingsglaive mm-hmm. they could play the game they could play all the dlc they could read the books they yeah. can do yeah, 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 the yeah. audio books they yeah. can soundtrack yeah, 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 but yeah. they also were very i know that when they were putting it all together they were like we while we want it all to interconnect we don't want to produce a load of stuff that you have to then go and watch and do the other do. stuff yeah to make it worthwhile so in, in some ways, I, I can see how you're saying like the film has very little impact on the game, but there was in in it was deliberate because they're basically saying we want this film to to be able to stand, stand on its alone. own two feet, and we want the game to be able to stand. Like if you take Kingslave out of the game, you you still understand what's happened. The city, you know, the city's full- yeah, because you don't go to Insomnia at all. All you yeah, never right. actually walk into Insomnia until the end. And yeah, so. So that was kind of the, so that was where the, the disconnect came and they were completely different projects in that respect. And they were handled very differently, I think as well. And, um, the direction and yeah. the, um, the writing, the writing and yeah. everything else that yeah. went into it was all very, very different. Um, and it was, it was quite enjoyable because the, the script was obviously written in Japanese originally, and then was, was then translated um and localized for for the english uh, actors but we had one of the uh, localization team on set mm-hmm. at all times and he'd actually stop and be like this isn't sitting right so this line we've got this line and mm-hmm. the easiest way to translate it is this and he'd say da, 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 yeah. but i don't like that so any ideas? What have you got? Any thoughts about what you could say that would give that, but wouldn't be quite just literally a direct translation? Or yeah. so we got a bit. We had we had our own input into it as well, which was quite nice and um, quite usual. And little tweaks, and we could say we could turn around to them, and go, look, this bit's not sitting quite right for us. Can we tweak that bit? And he go either, yeah, that's not a problem, or oh no, because mm-hmm. this you need to say this in this way because of this, this, and this, and this. Um, but we were getting, yeah, it was, it was a fascinating project to work um, on. And, and, uh, and, and, and I don't want this to sound like I did not like the movie. Overall, as I stated, it, it was, it was a, it was a decent movie. 
I'm just saying some of the things, and maybe it was just because a lot of, it could also just come down to Aaron Paul, Lena Headley, all of the voice actors. Most of them did not mocap the audience. So by the time no. they got footage in front of voice actor, then they're like, well, not only do we have a different translation because you mouth this word, whereas you can go in and say it because you're the voice actor as well as the worship call it. Lena Headley was like, well, they're mouthing such and such and such and such. And now, but we think that because of the Japanese translation that you should say this. So now we either have to change our sentences, change our words, even smaller things. Because that's it's, what I'm saying. It was it felt like more of the smaller things than the overarching part. Or yeah, based on that. But, there is a there is an interesting thing because of essentially the the voice actors mm-hmm. well, the mocap actors basically gave the performance. Yeah, that's the point. And then the voice actors took like dubbed the performance. So the basically. weird thing is when mm-hmm. I watch the film, yeah. I can hear the mocap actor doing it. Yeah, okay, there you go. Because yeah. because mm-hmm. the delivery is exactly. basically the same. Yeah. Because the no, obviously there is um Aaron Paul especially is a very, very I'm not good, saying yeah, I'm not saying that they want good actors. Yeah. He's a fantastic yeah. uh voice actor and has shown that in various projects and mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not downplaying him at all. And obviously all three of them brought their own yeah. and, and everyone who kind of took over the roles yep. as the voice brought something to the table but because of the way it was filmed as you say they had to copy what we did exactly. basically otherwise <laughs> it didn't work um, and, and and if anything changed like if the da- if the translator that was at the filming session wasn't the translator that was at the voice acting session then you're like well we can get well, it really close exactly they, they couldn't could, because they, yeah. they actually they, they couldn't change it because once we locked yeah. it in yeah they that's could. the mouth movement yeah so they actually can't change anything at that stage which um, means that now they have to try and because i've seen this from just watching behind the scenes now you have to try and because the problem with some of the disney dubs of studio ghibli like so since we're locked into these lip flaps but i don't feel this line like i would feel x line how well, the, the hell the, do we do this? <laughs> so the the weird thing you get is, um, and I think this is this is a thing for Japanese in particular. Yeah. Um, Japanese is a much less verbose language than English. Yep. So Japanese, you can say one syllable, you can say something and, yep. much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Meaning that they, if if a character talks for fifteen twenty seconds in Japanese, that's something. Yeah, that, that is like that. That could be a page. That could be a page worth of text. I study Japanese. Well, He's almost uh, right. So, for example, the 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 cafe scene yeah. in that bar scene. In, initially, when we first shot it, we had to reshoot it. A, a second or third uh, filming session, we had to mm-hmm. actually go back and reshoot it. Sort of some months later, because they essentially they they pared down the script as much as they could and sped it up as much as they could. But we finished filming it, and they were like. It's brilliant. We love it, and it's perfect. But it's also four minutes long, and it needs to be two and a half minutes long. Oh shit! So <laughs> we're gonna have to cut a load of stuff. Um, and we d- we cut stuff on the set. And we when we first shot it, we cut a load of stuff on set. And then, but eventually they were just like, it's still too long. We're gonna have to reshoot it. And so Libertus, that whole bit with the pills. Uh huh. 
in the original script, um, and uh, if you know anyone who who speaks Japanese well enough to have watched the Japanese dub, I don't know whether they went back to kind of that way or whether they stuck to the the if they kind of translated the English translation back into Japanese or I have but, I have both subtitles so right. I could confirm. So, but what were you about to say about the pills? So with the pills mm. in. Obviously, in in the film, in the final piece, it was it's very short. Nix finds the pills. He goes, "What the hell are these?" And Lubitz is just like, "I need them," and yep. takes them off. Take them off. And in the away. original, though, I had I had like a ten, twelve line monologue. Oh wow! Of you have no idea what I'm going through. I see when I close my eyes at night, I see our friends, the friends who have died. I see that they haunt me now. And that's the only thing that gets me through. And basically there was this big long speech. of, You have no clue what I'm going through. So you back off and all this. Um, and yeah, because of time, it just, it got completely cut down. And it was just one of those, that was one of the things they had to do. Um, in the original scripts, my the reason Libertus breaks his leg was completely different. Mm. Uh, he wasn't just a klutz who got hit by a big rock. Um, in the original script, he basically saved uh, a woman and child from a building, and then it was the building that collapsed on top of him as he was trying to help them escape. And then Nix rescues him from the building and moves yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas in the, obviously that sequence is another three four minute sequence as opposed to just a gigantic we've, we've filmed all phone well we need him to have a bus leg yep. because of this and this and this so we need him to break his leg somehow, somehow. we just have to break his leg, <laughs> we didn't have to break his leg. and again it's just a time thing because obviously if we did everything that they wanted to do the film would have been you know three four it would have been like it would have been like a Gone with the Wind epic. Um, <laughs> but yet, it, it I... runs at two hours already, and you know... <laughs> but in a lot of cases, those little things, like okay, maybe it won't be a full twelve-line monologue, but a six-line monologue, which would explain more than just why are you angry at him at this point. Point, yeah. like that would have at least explained a little bit more. Because okay, Square Enix, you you handle video games that clock in at a hundred fucking hours. Oh, for anybody, that is already a commitment. And then we turn around, and because we give filmmakers some room, Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Ben Hall, you can get a six-hour movie, and people will still be happy with it. But it's just like, okay, this is why I was in, this is why I'm wishing for an extended edition. Maybe mm-hmm. not do the do the Peter Jackson. Record everything, chop down to where you need to fucking chop it down, down, but then give us the full thing because I bet you any money, some of those things that you guys thought of would have deepened my love for the dang game. Aim because it just it isn't as rushed. Because now I'm like, why is she doing this? Why is he doing that? How that did Crow die? I not mm. saying that I would not have known that, but then we would have had more to go off of. Uh, because yeah. I bet you any money, there was probably a scene in there. The boss, the extended boss scene is probably something that I would wish to fucking see. Hey, because it would have just, because you have concept art of them, of you cooking and shit like that. And I'm like, <laughs> if that was inside of a movie, 
even if they just extended it there. That is the only scene that bumps this to a two-hour movie. We would have known more because that's what the whole thing was there for. You guys were arguing over what the fuck is going on here. Yeah. But, alas, it is what it is. It is. To be fair, it's... it's it, it's what happens with all films. Yeah. Um, anything you ever film, uh, this less so than other films, actually. Mm. Mo- almost, there's virtually nothing that we filmed that was cut at editing stage. It was a very tight project in that respect. It mm. was very much like, there were a few little bits and pieces. And there were some bits, obviously, that were cut during filming. So mm. they'd go, actually, yeah. no, we'll take out that bit there yep. mm-hmm. or something. But generally, everything we filmed went into the, End of the movie. Um, Whereas, obviously, as you say, the Lord of the Rings, like they, those films lost an hour to an hour and a half from each one. Yeah. In the editing process, you know. (laughs) So, and yeah, there, there, there are always little bits and pieces. You go, oh, if only we could have put that in, that would have. um, And obviously, these are these the bits for me where I'm like, well, it was my character, and it. I didn't get to do these things. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just it a is. part of. It is what it is. Uh, that's why I say I, 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 I can't fault anyone. I just, it, 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 Crow just didn't get a fucking fair shake. She showed up three <laughs> times and one was summoning Meteor. Oh God. But uh, she is. got to summon Meteor. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um. <laughs> So, the next step, uh, and I understand time is of the essence, uh, but my next one was, what would you prefer uh, your next project to be? Would it be in front of the camera or behind the mic? Uh, in front of the camera. Okay. Um, I like voiceover. I, obviously, I did... Um, the the audio book for for CooperCon with uh, the Nibelheim um, Nibelheim incident. Yep. Um, I love doing that stuff, uh, but I do I do miss not even actually not even in front of the camera. I I would I, I miss theatre as well, especially mm-hmm. at the moment with everything being locked down. The mm-hmm. last thing I did was some theatre back in January last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, yeah, there's just something that my, my ideal next project would be, uh, in front of the camera. Uh, I've been able to do some bits of voiceover, um, throughout lockdowns Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, but yeah, being able to get back in front of camera or back in theater would be just fantastic. I don't, I don't think theatre is going to happen before maybe November time. You know, October, November at the earliest, I think. Um, I'm feeling maybe January because, again, we still need to get enough vaccine out there. Before well, gonna yeah, so like we're lucky in that we're we're quite a way ahead of you guys. Yeah. Well, we're ahead of most of the rest of the world doing exactly. vaccinations. We've, because... we've vaccinated something like, I think it's nearly a third of the country has now received at least one of the two jabs. But don't forget, um, one of the one of the companies is literally in your back lot, your, your yard. Yes, Madonna is yes. in UK. Hey. Yeah, so that's easy. <laughs> so that's that is helping. Um, but we'll just see what what comes out because yeah. the the, the industry has been decimated. So it it'll be it's dead. Man. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens and what changes come out of that. But yeah, I, I, um, I don't know what the future holds. Um, but I look forward to getting back out either on stage or in front of the camera. Um, as I say, I've been, I've been lucky enough that I've got, I've done some voiceover stuff. Um, I've carried on my stage combat teaching and everything. Um, so I've, I've been able to sort of scratch that itch a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, I've, I've done some corporate work over the, the last year as well. Uh, obviously massively socially distanced or everyone's wearing masks and, and all the rest, but even just that is helping scratch the itch a bit, but, um, yeah, it's, it's nothing is ideal as everyone, everyone knows. Um, but we're getting there slowly, but surely that that's definitely, definitely true. Um, you brought up Kupokan and I kind of wanted to, uh, to talk about that a little bit because when I went there, as we, we met 2019 in, um, it was probably the most life-changing experience that I could ever fucking have. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. And uh, even though I was hanging out with your drunken cousin, <laughs> it was still an amazing. It was still an amazing uh, experience, just because of how much it felt like you really are family. And 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 that when you hear stuff like, "Oh no, we deliberately kept this shit just so that." It can't get too ridiculous. Period. <laughs> it's an actual choice so that we can address every single person. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay, so they thought through this. Is um so yes, it was definitely an epic experience. So my question is, because you said that you've pretty much been to everyone since you've were invited the false time, because you said you were at like eight of them at that point, and then I'm like Something well, like that, that. Yeah, and then I was just like, well, then obvious, and obviously you kept going. Um, how did you get involved? Well, what was that? What was that process like? So, CooperCon all started because uh, I think they'd done one, or they're in the process of doing the first one, the the original New Jersey one. Yeah. Um, and someone tagged me on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh in a tweet asking if I was attending CoopCon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't. I, I had no, no idea about no it idea. at all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, someone on social media tagged me into it and said, are you doing CoopCon in London? And I sort of responded, I, I'm, I'm not, but I'm, I'm open to, <laughs> to suggestions, basically. Um, and Alex then messaged me and said, uh, Hello, I run Coopercon. Would you be interested in doing it? Um, it's a small event, one night, um, day, basically big day event, mm-hmm. some signings, and then uh, there is an evening event if you want to hang around for it. Mm-hmm. Um, up to you. What do you want to do? Uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, cool, sounds great. Uh, I was living in London at the time, so it was very much just. I'll get up in the morning, come down here, talk a bit, sign some stuff, Mm -hmm. hang out. Um, I'll go, this has been fun. Let's go have some drinks in Mm -hmm. the after party. Um, And then it's kind of run from there, really. 
from that point on, it was Alex was then messaged me going, hello, do you want to come to Toronto? Yes, please. Would you like to go to Vancouver? Yes, please. Would you like to go back to Vancouver? Yes, please. And so I, um, that's where it started. And it's just kind of continued. I think I had done all of them in a row from the first London one up until the last Vancouver, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the last Vancouver. I did Toronto in December, November, December 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, no, oh, I'm losing track. Um, I only missed a couple, basically. Yeah. Um, and they've been great fun. And uh, yeah, it's it's a they're a lovely experience. Um, they're a nice. They're they're sort of the right size. There's enough people there to make it a busy, fun, yeah. full con. But there's also there's there's few enough people to make it still seem nice and intimate and mm-hmm. um it's not like you know you sort of mcm your london new york comic cons where there's a hundred thousand people and if you get to see basically one person that you'd like to talk to that is a that's a win um <laughs> like and, i spent two hundred dollars in L and 12 hours there to get a line. And I got yeah. to breathe the female as Liam Mulvey. That just you wouldn't want to do weird. that at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, you you don't want to breathe the same air at the moment. That's going to make it even more complicated. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good. And then the the, the the sort of configuration of the of the day works really well as well. Because you've got the sort of the standard con day. Yeah. And then the evening party where everything changes up and is all mm. a bit more um, relaxed, and, relaxed yep. and looser. And um, so, yeah, that I think I think the whole format they've got going is great and it works really well. And you see that in people come back time and time again and just keep coming back. Um, Literally, that's so, the only way to get Warrior of Light status is you have to show up <laughs> like four or five times. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so that's the only way to do it. But yeah, it it was always, but it makes more sense though, because if I can actually have an actual moment with the Paulson instead of, even on both scales, I remember from my experience at Chicago, C2E2 is packed, of course, 40,000 people, 50,000 people, it's gonna fucking be packed. Uh, the The most fun I had, was a couple of years ago, one of your fellow actors inside of Final Fantasy XV, Dave Fenoy, nobody was around at all. Nobody gave a shit. And I'm like, I am going to soak up this moment, mainly because this was before they implemented the new rules in which you can't just talk to the actors while they're just sitting there looking at their phones. So back then, they were actually more open. They're like, talk to them, ask questions. Nicest man in the universe. Of course they had to fuck that one up. Um, uh, <laughs> however it got fucked up, it got fucked up. Um, but it was one of my favorite moments because I got to spend... I didn't really care about buying shit. I didn't really care. I was there by myself for the most part. So it wasn't like I was hanging out with friends or if there was even something. And I'm socially awkward. So making friends is just like, eh, maybe not. But... Having that two-hour, three-hour conversation with Dave Fenoy, and then coming back the next day, because the wolves were still the same, and he still had nobody around him, was 
always going to be my favorite moment until GoofoCon happened. Until the fact where I could legitimately sit here and talk to Alex about my problem and, and, and even get it resolved. Because I'm like, because of traffic and technical difficulties, I walked in and they literally sold the last signing draft. And I'm like, all of this walk, because this is my first time out of the city by myself, first time went to go. I traveled several hundred miles away from home. Um, and and it's it's all for naught, basically. Because it literally because I couldn't get uh, the one thing that I was there for. Adam Kowalik, mm-hmm. you all the one thing I was there for. Mm, can happen because of technicalities. But being able to air my grievance and talk to someone and actually get it fixed because they're not just a hired hand by Weed Pop or Marvel mm. or whatever because, you know, I'm not risking my job to, to, to bend the walls. That would be too easy. He, uh, is what was like, yeah, if I'm ever going to spend money traveling and doing all of that extra shit, I'd much rather go to the convention that's actually going to give a fuck that you did put all that work into. Yeah, I think the smaller cons are nice in that level because they, to an extent, they can do that as well. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do that at fifty thousand person because if if it's it's that it's that that floodgate thing, isn't it? They start saying to you, "Oh yeah, no, we can sort that out." Then suddenly there's a hundred people. You know, hundred people with the same with the same. If at CooperCon they help you out. And two other people come up and are like, "Look, I've had this nightmare." They're like, "That's fine, you know." Yeah, it's all if right. the same percentage at like a hundred thousand yeah. people event, 2%. that's like a thousand. That's people. a thousand <laughs> fucking people. So <laughs> that is another reason why that these small I, are I, nice. I, I, and, uh, and, and I can respect that, and I understand it. Just it doesn't halt uh, any less. But on mm. the same note, I will still think may, because Final Fantasy. 15 in general has always been my best experience, mainly mm. because you, obviously the Kubokan moment, but then Robbie Draymond breaking contract for me was <laughs> beyond. Because I show again, same problem. I show up and then, but this is the problem with advertisement. On the website, they just said Robbie Draymond, and then they even list Final Fantasy 15. Not he is exclusively healed by Shonen Jump and Funimation. He cannot do anything else. Which is just, now that's just fucked up. Because now you're just false advertising. At that point, you're just false advertising. Oh, he did Final Fantasy XV, but that's not why he's healed. Healed. Um, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he was like, Let, uh, I'm going to take five seconds and see what's wrong because this man is crying now. And... He took five seconds while also sneaking off with one of the signature pins. And, but it was that moment of, yeah, you can't do it at that large of con. But on that same note, and I understand, I was perfectly fine with accepting no for an answer. Because they were just like, well, that's just false advertisement. Because you could have said why he was here on the website. I, um... But it was also even more special because uh, I went back next year and he was there again, but this time with Ray Chase. Um, and he was like, no, 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 no. You were literally the only part. 
Often I signed Final Fantasy mods. I was not, I can't break contract with thousand I'm for everybody that showed up. Oh, and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can. Uh, I can Robbie's, Robbie's lovely as Robbie well. Robbie's a lovely guy. Fucking amazing, man. That may, And I think Prompto really was his best choice role. But yeah, I can understand where you guys are coming from because yes, 1% of 600 is six people. 1% of a 100,000 is a 1,000 people. It ain't no fucking yeah. happening. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. So, what was some of your favorite parts or favorite cons? What, what were some of your favorite experiences with all of this? Of cons? Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I love the CooperCon ones as a whole because obviously that you always get like I've, I've i've made some very good friends mm-hmm. um from cooper cons yeah. um and also you know there's also the you get to see all the actors you used to work with as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. um so like me will and adrian uh, hang out a bit but if we know we're going to CooperCon, it means oh yeah we're going to get to actually have a night and exactly. <laughs> properly chill out and um some of the best cons though i like i was uh, i was very lucky in getting to do the uh san diego oh, wow. comic con okay uh when the king after the kingslave reveal had happened but before it came out um they had me and andrea do uh do san diego comic con uh and do the press junkets and all that and that was that was incredible um cuz basically got flown out to LA for three days, I think it was uh-huh. something, something daft like that. Mm-hmm. Um, flew in, spent the night. Me and Andrea hung out and got some food one night. The next day, we went to Sony Studios mm-hmm. to watch the film. Mm. The next day, we got the train down to San Diego. We had two days at the con. The Sunday, I got the train back up to california um back up into la Mm -hmm. uh and flew out that was it it was bonkers whirlwind but um really cool just like even daft things like uh we got uh so marty sleever was doing the doing our panel and Mm. i was like this is cool because i listen to a lot of ign stuff um and uh yeah then we got to do like one of the ign interviews um so we're just getting to meet all these people i'm like i know all you people and this is really cool and i just want to say i love the i love your podcast i listen to it all the time (laughs) it's a properly like fanboy out um another time uh i'm trying to think other con stories birmingham mcm they had um nolan north and troy baker and obviously their queue was the entire length of the NEC. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was like, I really want to, I really want to say hi, but I can't, I can't do that. I can't just like wander. Um, and I was backstage <laughs> putting some stuff away on the on the Saturday night, mm-hmm. um, and in walked Nolan North, and I was like, I've got to say hi. I just exactly. I can't not just say hi. Not, no, 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 no. So I just, I just briefly wandered over and said, uh, Hey, look, just want to say. 
uh, and this look of sheer panic exactly. that went over his face. He was like, "Oh no, oh, I just wanted to relax, and someone's found me." And I was like, "No, no, no, it's no. all right. I'm, I'm, I'm signing as well. I'm a guest as well. But I just want to say, um, your work's amazing, and yeah, you're fantastic." Um, but yeah, the look of I've just signed for twelve hours, and I, I just want to have a coffee. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then I have to go but, back for the other twelve. I was like, that line yeah, isn't moving. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's it's been great. I I love doing cons, and I've done I've done them all the way from yeah the San Diego Comic Con, uh, London MCM, Birmingham MCM, to the CooperCon ones. To uh, one of the first ones I did was a, a fun event, um, a small one in a bar in London. There was about two fifty people there. Um, I've done little cons all around the place, but there's, I, I did one con where there was like 40 people turned up to the con. It was a two-day con. It was a disaster. Um, I mean, is it really a disaster? 40 people? If uh, depends on how, depends on I'd say depends on what you were going for. I I, I don't mind more con, and uh, like they weren't expecting anyone. <laughs> well, yeah, it depends. If it's a two-day con and they've got. 12 people, people signing yeah, that's right. and only that. 40 people turned up and like only three of them wanted signatures over two days it was it was quite a long weekend i can see it from it was a good standpoint. it was good fun though because there was a there was a good bunch of uh good bunch of guests there um i'm trying to think who who we had there um virginia hay was there uh, from farscape mm-hmm. did you watch farscape i've watched uh, a couple of episodes so she was there. Um, oh God, who else was there? There's a whole bunch of us. There's, there's a whole bunch of us. Um, mm. Craig, uh, Craig Freerbass has done all the, lots of Call of Duty stuff, and it's just really great. And we all we were all put up in the same little uh, hotel as well. So in the evenings we were all just hanging out and chilling out, and it's great. Like I've done some great stuff. Um, I did Alex's. Uh, one in um, Prince Edward Island mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago now, and that was amazing. Um, being there again, it was a similar sort of size to CooperCon. I think it was a bit bigger. I think they had about fifteen hundred people over yeah. two or three days, and again, it was it was really really good fun and just getting to uh, a little excuse for a holiday. And then, and I think Alex mentioned it on uh, possibly the con you went to. It was just like yeah, like three months ago we were sat in my kitchen so yeah having breakfast it was great <laughs> of course of course of course so no the, the, the whole the, king's has been life-changing completely life-changing like um just the things that the things that i've got to do and the people i've got to meet from doing it has has been completely life-changing and um it, it's just been fantastic and i wouldn't change it for the world really and I don't think we we uh, would change it at all. <laughs> um, now I understand that we're we're, we're getting a tad bit longer too. Uh, but actually, the beauty of it is that I'm down to the last two. So, last the point the point the penultimate question. Um, if you could name one thing that has kept you going, what would it be? Uh, how do you mean, in general or during well, this or I'm more so talking at this or? point. At this point, I'm more so talking to 
in general, I'm I'm more so kind of bridging this to uh like advice you would give to the next generation. Then foresight wow. basically. Um In life in general, I think, and with what's going on at the moment, um, I think one thing that's very important uh, and is something that I've talked about with friends quite a lot is it's okay to not be okay, especially at the moment. Um, this is really tough. What what we're going through, what the world is going through at the moment is really difficult. Um, and it's okay to have those days where you just get up and go, that's fine. Like you're allowed to have those days. And I think trying to, trying to stop yourself having those days or trying to suppress those days and go sort of not allow yourself to do that doesn't really help i think and i think uh, being able to just say you know what i'm not great today actually i think is really important um so i think that the one bit of advice i'd say to people is don't be afraid to say you're not okay um you can be open about that and it it does help uh on a slightly sort of broader on on the acting <laughs> for any sort of budding actors who want to mm -hmm. get out there um the one thing i always say to acting students is if you would be happy doing something else then do it because if this is a tough job this is a difficult job um if you think about it i i did a multinational multi-million dollar franchise uh and then have had you know three or four jobs since um this job is a killer it's it's uh, it's really hard work and the only way you're going to get through it is if it's the one thing that keeps that motivates you if acting is that one thing then great go for it if there is anything else that you would be happy doing, I always say, go and do it. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be. Don't get out of the industry. It could be producing. It can be um, casting. It could be anything. But if you want to be a director, an actor, that sort of thing, if there's anything else you want to do, anything else that you want to do in your life that you'd be happy doing, do that. Because otherwise, when you hit those hard times, that's when you're going to get bitter and twisted and start to hate yourself and start saying what if I hadn't done it what if I didn't choose that um, and then I guess life it, yeah I, I think it's still that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to say that and it's okay to ask for help um, yeah I think that's the I think that's the the the, the best bit of advice is it's it's all right to say I'm not okay, or or even I don't understand. I'm not sure what this means, or I don't get this. Being able to just have the have the courage and the ability to just say I need some help, whether that be 
on uh, a very sort of superficial shallow level I, I need some help with this particular thing or whether it's something deeper and i just need some help i think being able to ask for that you no one should feel ashamed to ask was there anybody that inspired you or gave you that 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 baton before you started doing it for others um the well on the sort of acting front mm-hmm. i so my as i said my 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 head of drama at, at my secondary school mm-hmm. was very much like look you can do it it's a hard industry it is tough if you can do something else and be happy then if you like if there's any sort of dilemma there then don't do it but if it's definitely what you want to do then do it um my parents have always been very supportive um all the way through they've always been very very supportive and they've also they also subscribe to the if you need help ask for it um i like i i've i am not in a bad place at all i'm in a pretty good place at the moment i'm still having those days where you go this is just awful it's horrible um but my life in general, I've always been in a pretty good place and I've been pretty lucky on that front. Um, I've not always been the best at asking for help. <laughs> um, so if anything, the, the the pandemic has kind of taught me, it, 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 again, it's that thing of being able to just say, like even just even staff things, like putting it into your, into your friend's WhatsApp group, going, today's horrible. And to have other people be like, yeah, today's yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's shit (laughs) you know even just something as small as that helps um i've been very lucky i've got uh, i've got some very good friends um that have helped me throughout the years and friends and family and yeah um but yeah Yeah, being able to reach out and 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 definitely from my standpoint a lot of what I'm doing now was kind of has been kind of teaching me those lessons because for years, you're right. I would shove everything into a box, whether it's my feelings or it's my what I'll figure it out on my own. Yeah. And then you end up in your bed crying, "What the fuck happened?" When you're fired from your next job or whatever, and you're like, "Maybe there." Or what? What were you about to say? Or or having a massive fight, yeah. a massive screaming match mm-hmm. with your mother in yeah. a uh, cafe in uh, St. Pancras. Mm. Was it King's Cross? I can't remember. <laughs> and my stepdad was sat there like this going, oh, please stop. <laughs> stop. It's me and my mum are just absolutely howling at each other. <laughs> yeah, um, I can definitely say that, yeah, I did that with my own parents and my own family. And then I was like, the one thing that I consistently was wishing for was, okay, my, for me, my ideal situation right now would just be a pause button, which, global pandemic, now I'm not saying that that was the exact thing I was looking for, but 
as much as I can, obviously, the world is going to shit. Nobody's sitting back here saying, yeah, everything is fine. And I know that. And as a bleeding heart, as a fellow bleeding heart, Boston, I think we can both agree. We have our moments where we have to just say, the world is going to shit. But I also had to learn how to say, yes, the world is going to shit, and the world will always be going to shit in some way, shape, and form. If it isn't the pandemic, we got wars. If it isn't wars, we got politics. The world is always going to be going to this shit in some way, shape, and form. But now I can sit back and look at what am I going through mm. to kind of make my own world, my own form of reality, better or worse. Which is what I when which is why I, uh, after I after I had I looked at me having mental breakdowns at walk and I, or, or shouting matches with my parents and I'm like, this isn't healthy. What am I looking for? Well, mm-hmm. I started thinking, well, I just want to be hard. And then I was like, well, I've been recording my father's podcast for the last few years. What would happen if I turned on the mic and just started speaking for my own set of, of experiences? Um, and and I can definitely say that moment, you're right, being able to say everything will be okay. Yes, you feel like shit. That is the truth. Yes, everything will be okay. That is the truth. And yes, the world is going to shit. All three of those truths can be correct yeah. in, at the same time. Yeah, um, but very much so. Yeah, it, but having that moment of clarity to just sit down and say, well... Let's go back and take a look. I got some friends out there that are waiting. Like, I asked you for this interview now three years ago. Oh, uh, damn near. Or two years ago. Um, I got other ways that I can keep my mind off of the fact that, yes, the world is going to shit, but I can be okay inside of it. Because yeah. if I'm okay now when the world is going to shit, then when everything is fine, air quotes, fine, I'll be fucking unstoppable. And that, and, and so I'm glad you kind of said that because I think that is really the, 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 the main crux of even why I, I'm going. It's for that, that constant reminder that you can be unstoppable even through all of this. Yeah. Now, this is my last question. <laughs> Um, because of course you, you, you gotta leave people thinking. Liam, we sat here and we talked about your entire life experience as an actor, some of it as a child, all of these things. So if you could sum up the lessons learned from your life experiences and paint them on a mural, what would be the centerpiece of it and why? Uh, Um... Uh, <laughs> as you can probably tell, I didn't get these questions in advance. Um, <laughs> it would kind of ruin the experience if I did give you that one in advance. So I would have redacted it either way. <laughs> if, uh, wow. So if I could take everything from my life and paint a mural, what would I have? What would be the focus of it? Mm-hmm. Um... God. 
that is a really difficult question. I don't know how. To, I don't even. I haven't got a clue how to answer <laughs> that. Um, well, the, the the image I've got in my head when you were saying it, the the thing that kind of, which is really cheesy and really kind of weirdly <laughs> spiritual for me because I'm not a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am an atheist. I, I uh, so I'm not religious. I'm not really spiritual. But I my when you were saying about taking your whole life and putting it into something and then putting my th- there was just just some sort of um, light, a bright white light in the middle, mm-hmm. um, with then colours everything. I, I think I think if I was to do, it would be something abstract as opposed to a sort of um as opposed to sort of an identifiable thing i think it would be more of an abstract uh piece but yeah just something bright so you say abstract then then what would be pieces of the abstract what would regions or something that's that's what i mean i think i think it would be i i think it would be more more colors mm-hmm. than something identifiable okay okay um and that's what i mean about mm-hmm. it being sort of i, I guess do you I'm have to think, do you have um like is each experience a different strand like kingsglaive would be a blue and your actually, acting troop would be a although, purple or something although i like don't that. think but equally i don't think that these things are um unconnected in mm-hmm. that way i don't think i i don't like so well everything's connected it's all you you'll be painting you in yeah sense. but i mean i mean like so there's the whole sort of sliding doors thing in that mm-hmm. i in getting like so kingsglaive I was at the time my agent phoned me up about Kingslave. Mm. I was uh, going through a breakup, mm. quite an early breakup, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things was to do with uh, my profession, basically mm. being an actor and the the sort of unreliability of that profession, not necessarily of me, but of of the profession um, as you know. Yeah, them. The, 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 the pressures that that job puts on on a person, people, relationships, etc. The only thing listed um, on your IMDb is Kingsglaive. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and that was that was one of the things, and it was actually more to do with being able to be not having to go off touring for six months you know mm. i was doing stuff like that i was doing theater tours i'd go away for 12 weeks and then i'd come back and then i'd go away for another month and then i'd come back and i'd go away from the um and so that that it was all feeding into everything was feeding into that and we were having this breakup about what whether the basically is, is she essentially what she said was uh for us to be together, I would need you to give up acting, and I can't ask you to do that. So I, I am making the decision to break up with you. Um, 
and we were having that chat and and at one point she actually said to me would you give up acting um and i and i sort of hesitated and she said that's that's it that's that's the that's the answer and it wasn't a bad it wasn't like a nasty thing or a, or a horrible thing but it was just that that and I, and so i was then having this sort of identity crisis moment going is this the right thing have i done the right thing is this the right have i made a huge mistake and actually this is this is all doomed to failure and a, and about a week later i got that phone call from my agent saying hello yeah there's an animated film who are interested in you coming in hmm. and it was like oh okay cool Let's see what happens yeah the, the... and that and it was yeah. just it's just the timing of everything is just really weird so that's what i mean by i don't think i don't think these things you could say like oh that aspect is kingsley because it's and that aspect is is the theater and that's your family and that's your... Well, you... i think all of it kind of flows into one hmm. um and everything is interchangeable and that those tiny little moments all come back around basically everything that happens um comes back around in some manner some form hmm. now i this is completely on me i understand that you aren't religious but those types of moments mm. for me i'm the type of person as i was telling you that was always deeply in tune with somebody's spirit or whatever you want to call it in which I would see somebody being able to really put on a good fake of like oh everything is fine but I would know instantaneously that that wasn't true and it of course has gotten me in plenty of trouble because nobody wants especially in America nobody to talk about their feelings until now which I'm like maybe there's some good that came from this pandemic <laughs> but Hearing that story of something tragic was happening underneath everything, at the crux of it was the career you were legitimately deciding and thinking about. Well, she's amazing, <laughs> and she's also saying that she isn't. She will not ever put you to just give up your dream for uh, another fifteen years, <laughs> but. Hearing that story of day on that day, you're you hesitated, and because of that hesitation, it put you in front of five, six, seven million more people than it ever would. Yeah. It, 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 for me, those types of stories, which is also one of the reasons why I'll never tell anybody this question before, or they before they see it, because it would kind of ruin it if you prepared an answer. Um, but those types of stories, for me, is, I would say, for, for you, the universe saying, maybe you need to hold steady. Yes, it sucks right now. And of course, right now it sucks not having any money because I was bad at a job then. I'm still not the best because of shit like I sleep because of my sleep problems. But if you hold steady, something is around the corner that you do not know of. 
Yeah. Um, um, and then, oh, an animated film. An animated film. Last Attack <laughs> Final Fantasy is one of the largest properties over the last 40, 30 years. Yeah. So, it, it, that, that's, that is an amazing thing. And I understand that it was bought from tragedy. And I don't want to belittle it. But on the same note, I would not be able to talk to you if yeah. you didn't hesitate in that moment. It's 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 crazy just how how this things these things happen as well. Um, there's there's uh, there's loads of things like that mm-hmm. as throughout my life of oh if I've done this instead of that this would never have happened and then that and this cascade would never have happened. Yeah, and, um, yeah it's uh, life is a life is a strange strange thing. <laughs> she is definitely a strange mistress. Is, but uh, if 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 you allow it to run its course, the river always dumps into a basin somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> it may not feel like it while you're being hit by branches, but the river always dumps into a basin somewhere. And I think that is the most beautiful thing. I think out of all of that, because now I'm sitting here talking to you. And and growing and and able to grow my brand mainly because you just stay your course. So, Liam, thank you, first and foremost. Again, this has been an amazing journey. Um, and your openness, your honesty, and 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 even in some cases your trust, uh, warms my heart mainly because you're helping me reach my goals mainly because as as I stated when we met I was extremely shy and awkward and looking back on it now I'm like I wouldn't be doing this if I was the same person that I was mm. in 2019 when we first met it, it made me well, start good. to think which which is always good and I'm and I'm glad that now we could have this conversation and we could put this chapter to bed because it was legitimately a beautiful thing to hear about all of your experiences and, and what made you into the kind and, and, and powerful man that you are today. So thank you. Um No, it's been a pleasure. It, um, is there anything that you want to end with before we go? Uh, no, just to say thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, good luck with all your future endeavors as well, because uh, it, it's um, it's not only me answering your questions; it's it's also getting you out there as well, which is great. And hearing how you've you feel you've changed over the the last couple of years has been great to hear as well. So um, the whole thing's been a pleasure. Um, I wish you all the best with your, with your future endeavors. And same to you, Liam. Thank you for, for being here and thank you for just being open and honest, really. <laughs> no, it's been and a pleasure. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying to bring something new to the interview scene and I'm glad I could sit here and talk to you and understand where you're coming from. So, <laughs> I don't think there's anything else other than 
for me, have a blessed day. And this Cheers isn't up. this isn't goodbye. This is until next time, my friend. Until next time, indeed. For king indeed. and country. <laughs> for hearth and home. There you go. <laughs> Pleasure. Pleasure. Cheers, man. Peace up.